You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have Raiko Celic with us. Uh, how are you, Raiko? Yes, I'm doing well, thank you, Jason. And how about you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, now, Raiko, this morning we are continuing your series, 3MJ, The Movement, Message and Mission of Jesus. And uh, I can see your title is Characteristics of False Leaders. So I'm interested to uh, get into that a little bit later. But before we do, I'm going to ask you a question. In terms of leaders, who has been a positive influence on you in your life in terms of a good leader or a good teacher or something like that? There hasn't just been one person, there's been several. And I really thank God that uh, he brought these people into my lives. Uh, obviously, my father was a great leader and still is. Uh, he can be, what I appreciate about my dad is he doesn't just give up. You know, he can push and push till he gets what he wants. And that's sometimes in me as well. And just the other day, he was calling me about something and he wanted someone's phone number. I'm saying, why? Well, he wants to just uh, talk to this person. I said, but why? And he kept on pushing and pushing. And I saw that characteristic in him. Uh, another persistence. person. Yeah, persistence. <laughs> yeah. That's the word. No, that's the word. Uh, another person was um, uh, Mr. Bill Webster. He was a teacher uh, that I had. He was a history teacher. And uh, this was when I was in high school at Strathfield Seventh-day Adventist uh, College. Um, they sold that uh, school in the, in the meantime about 12 years ago. Uh, and uh, I really appreciated his leadership and his teaching. And he, he, he made me fall in love with history. He, he was the person. Another person that uh, I never really spoke to, but I listened to them. Uh, and they came to a camp meeting. This was in 2019. And his name is Roger Kuhn, and he was a older person. He came from the U.S., and he spoke about Adventist history and what is also known as the spirit of prophecy. And that had a profound influence on me, and I've listened to a lot of his uh, tapes and things like that, and I just really enjoyed his teaching. And, uh, yeah, I, today as I'm teaching the Bible, you know, the, the, uh, those things have impacted me. Uh, another thing that has impacted my leadership is I've been involved in sports quite a bit, um, I played basketball, and uh, uh, when I was up in Bundaberg, I played uh, six seasons with one team, and we won the championship four times, and, and this was um, in the first division. And so you you learn each other, uh, how you play together, you trust each other, everyone's got a different role, but you have to work together as a team. And mm -hmm. today in my leadership, for me, teamwork is everything. If you're not a team player, um, then you're not a leader. Mm. And uh, I'm pretty strong about that. Uh, yeah. And uh, I have this statement uh, which says, missional teamwork unifies and grows a church. Um, another area of me being impacted in my leadership is that uh, in the past I did martial arts uh, for 18 years. Wow. And uh, I did uh, Taekwondo. Yes. And, and so I had a teacher I've had various teachers, um, but probably the one that really influenced me was a person by the name of Maria Richtano. Now, in the meantime, he's passed away, and um, that's another story. But he's impacted me in my leadership, and you know, I've trained all kinds of people. 
Uh, I even remember one time uh, to training uh, bikies, and it was a special class. And you would think they're rough around the edges, and they are. They are rough, but they also have a good heart. Mm. And, uh, you know, those things impact you. See, the difference is when you come into a church environment, some of these things you take on, and it helps you with your leadership. The only difference is (laughs) I can't tell people, well, you're a bad church member, get down, do 10 push-ups. I can't do that. (laughs) Uh, So those things impact you. You, um, in your leadership, uh, how you carry yourself. But I'm always learning more and more. And you have to keep on redefining that leadership as well. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, you, you got to know when to back off. Um, I, I like what one of my cousins said. My cousin's, a, I would say, he's a successful businessman. Um, he, he's in Sydney and he's in the watchmaking um, business. But it was just recently. He said something to me because I said something about a leader and a boss, and he said there they are two different things: mm. a boss and a leader. Because a boss can just be one way and can be very dictatorial, mm. um, where a leader, hey, he works together as a team. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think a leader it motivates and inspires a bit more than you know perhaps our conventional image of a boss. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, th- then I worked with another person in Canberra um, for a short time. Uh, um, for about a year, and uh, his name is Pastor Justin Lawman. So he's impacted me in my leadership, where I, I think in the past I was a little bit too bold, and mm. then I became a little bit too quiet, and then it's kind of, hey, I need to get a balance. And now I, thi- I think it's kind of more balanced these days. Mm. When to be active, when to be passive. You know, those things are difficult because there are times where you have to be calm, and, you know, not to speak too much. And most of the times it's like what uh, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, a time to be silent, but there's also a time to speak, and there's a time to be active. Mm. Um, and, and only the Holy Spirit can teach you in that moment when to act like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember probably there's so much I can talk about leadership. <laughs> I, I, I even enjoy sometimes observing like the military and how they do leadership and the Navy SEALs and how especially that t- sense of teamwork. Mm. Um, but I remember there was a um, the previous pastor that was uh, here where I was in Bernie. He, um, he, he's now up in Queensland working there, but he came back to Tassie for a wedding and I asked him to preach. Uh, at, at Bernie Church when he was here for that weekend too and uh, I remember him saying at the door he goes well I'm more like an Elijah you know uh, in, his, in his leadership and I said to him well I'm more like Elisha <laughs> which was the successor because when you read Patriarchs and um, sorry not Patriarchs and Prophets but Prophets and Kings you read about how Elisha had a much more peaceful type of ministry mm. Um I mean, when you study Elisha and Elijah, Elisha is like round two of Elijah. But what was different with Elisha too is in the beginning of his ministry, he was made fun of by 42 young people about him being bold. And then two she-bearers came along and mauled them. And, and I think that, uh, um, yeah, that kind of gave respect for the man of God, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, we better keep going. Um, it's uh, time to give our listeners the show number, our Tassie Encounters number, 0488 880891. 
Please uh, write that down, put it on your fridge, write it somewhere or put it in your phone, 0488-880-891. You can send us any questions, comments or feedback and later in the program we will have an offer for you as well that you can text in on that number. So uh, also remember we've got our Faith FM app and the Faith FM website where you can listen anytime, anywhere uh, to our past episodes all of our series since we started uh, our program, Tassie Encounters, are on there, and you can go back and listen to any previous um, uh, programs that we've had on air. So, Raiko, it's we, we've got two and a half minutes before we go to our first song, so that was a long intro, um, <laughs> but I know we need to get into it, so uh, let's do that, eh? Let's have a prayer. Dear Father in Heaven, today we're talking about characteristics of false leaders and we'll be looking at the scribes and Pharisees. And Lord, I just pray that we can take something away from this. And uh, please, Lord, guide us. May your Holy Spirit uh, be close to us. And Lord, uh, I just pray that uh, uh, this can impact us in a positive way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So last time we looked at uh, Jesus' identity and that Jesus is not just the son of David or coming from the lineage of David, but he's also the son of God. And the Jews, uh, they couldn't argue with the fact that he did come from that genealogy of David, mm. um, but they didn't accept him as the Messiah. Uh, as And you have this mystery, this dual nature of man and God coming together. And that's a mystery. So we're continuing and we're talking about events that are still taking place on Tuesday and in the temple. And um, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture found in Matthew 23, verses 1 to 12. So can you please read Matthew chapter uh, 23 and verses 1 and 2? Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe... That observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. I went Thank too you far, very much. didn't I? <laughs> no, that, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, here we have, um, when, when we look at verses 1 to 12, Jesus, he's talking to the multitude there. Uh, in the temple, and Jesus will condemn the Pharisees publicly. But then later on, we're not going to study this, but he's going to, from verse 13 to 36, he's going to condemn the Pharisees personally. Mm-hmm. And here it says that the scribes and Pharisees, in verse 2, they sit in Moses' seat. Yeah, I was going to ask, what, what does that really mean, that they sit in Moses' seat? Well, let me ask another question, uh, or a few questions. Who is the present Prime Minister of Australia? Scott Morrison. What does this mean? I want to sit in uh, Scott Morrison's seat. I guess that means that one day I want to be the Prime Minister. (laughs) Right. And this is a uh, position of power and authority. Mm. And it's a secular position, and it is a political position. But in this case, Moses' seat, this is a position of spiritual authority. Mm. And by sitting in Moses' seat, it also means that they have a slant on the law. Remember the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This is known as the book of the law. And uh, we did study this a few uh, episodes ago where 
in those first five books, the Jews counted all the different laws, the moral law, the ceremonial law, the civil laws, the, and they came up with a figure of 613 laws, wow. which boils down to 10 laws, which boils down, as we studied before, to, to love God mm. and love your neighbor. Mm. And by sitting in Moses' seat, it means they believe they can interpret the law. Mm. And archaeologists have discovered that ancient Jewish synagogues had literal chairs in which the interpreter of the law would sit. And there's a synagogue that was unearthed in a place called Hamath, and it had a stone chair uh, near the south wall of the synagogue with its back toward what they would say the ark where the scrolls were kept. And uh, this is what Jesus is probably referring to. See, God did not elevate the scribes and Pharisees to, to Moses' seat. Uh, they actually promoted themselves. And so this is where you can see this is one of those characteristics of a false leader. They promote themselves. Now, don't get me wrong. There are times where people need to uh, run for presidency or to be a prime minister. In a way, you need to promote yourself, but it's also important to be humble. Mm -hmm. And also keep this in mind. Remember Lucifer, who became Satan, he also wanted to sit where God's yeah. throne is, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I think we have to go and uh, yeah. let's, have a song, don't we? Let's do that. Let's go to the break. Uh, this song is uh, Blessed is the Man. The man who does not walk In the counsel of the wicked Blessed is the man Who doesn't stand in the sinner's way I sit in the seat of the mocker Blessed is the man Blessed is the man Blessed is the man That man for his delight in the law of the Lord Blessed is the man That man he meditates On the word both day and night That he shall be like a tree That's planted by the streams Which he Fruits in a season, and whatever he does will prosper. All that he does succeeds. His leaf shall not wither. Not so the wicked.
of the Lord. And that was Sons of Korah with Blessed is the Man. We're speaking with Raiko Chelich this morning and we're studying Matthew 23 and we just read a passage that, uh, uh, yeah, talks about uh, where Jesus uh, was telling the the crowd, the multitudes, it says here, that uh, they should do what the Pharisees told them to do, but not do what they do. <laughs> so I was quite interested in that little passage. We didn't discuss it before. It says, therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and they do not do. <laughs> Uh, the Pharisees, they do not practice what they preach. teach or preach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, the scribes and the Pharisees, they appreciate or uh, they, they give advice and counsel, instruction, but they do not practice. Um, they don't practice the principles um, uh, that are set forth. And, you know, when, we, when a person says something, but they don't do it, what do we call them? A hypocrite. A hypocrite. Mm. <laughs> and the hypocrite is also an actor. Mm. And uh, does that mean that all scribes and Pharisees were hypocrites uh, in the time of Christ? Not necessarily, but I guess... No, not, not necessarily, no. We can't, uh, it, we can't group everyone in the same basket. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. It, it does seem from Scripture that the majority were. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you still had good people. For example, in John 3, you had Nicodemus. Mm. He was a good man. I see him being humble asking Jesus for some guidance and counsel. Mm. Uh, you have also in John chapter 19, when Jesus Christ, he died on the cross, you have a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea, and he's taking care of the body of Christ. Uh, you also have uh, uh, Acts chapter 5 and Acts chapter 22, uh, you have a man by the name of Gamaliel. Now, we don't know, as far as we know, we know he didn't accept that Jesus as the Christ or the Messiah, but uh, Gamaliel was seen as an honored and wise man who gave prudent advice. I find it interesting in Acts 23, verse 6, Paul is uh, he's before the Sanhedrin, before the Sadducees and other Pharisees. He's in this council, and he says, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, uh, the son of a Pharisee. He never said, I used to be a Pharisee, saying, I am a Pharisee. He's associating with them. Mm. And... There are people who sometimes say, well, I'm not going to go to church because there's hypocrites there. Mm. Um, and let's be honest, there are hypocrites in the church. Yeah. Um, but that sometimes is just used as an excuse of not uh, attending or coming to church. Mm. And uh, I've learned this from someone, and I have it in my notes. If, if someone says to you, oh, I don't want to come to church because there's his hypocrites, well, this is what you can say to them. The church has never claimed to be an association of perfect people. Rather, the church is filled with sinners who walk in the forgiveness of their Savior, Jesus Christ, and seeking to have Him transform our lives. Mm. And uh, the application is that sometimes even in the church, you do find people who have so much to say, and yet, and they have so much counsel and advice to give, but yet... Uh, they don't really support in doing things. Let's move on. Uh, mm -hmm. Matthew 23 and verse 4. It says, For they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So this is talking about the uh, Pharisees again. 
Yes, and what do you really think is the heavy burdens that they are laying upon people? I'm guessing that it's to do with the, you know, all of the additional restrictions and laws and things that they put in place that uh, weren't necessarily uh, scriptural, but they were uh, expected of people. Exactly. Excellent answer. Yes, it was those rabbinical traditions. Mm. Um, Jason, do you go to the gym? I am not part of a gym at the moment. I'm not, I'm not a membership. I have in the past, though. Okay, mm. in the past. And uh, you know what bench press is, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, I'm not going to ask you how much you can bench press. Well, not much uh, at the moment. <laughs> but it used to be all right. <laughs> when it comes to my gym experience over the years, it's kind of been on and off. You kind of go for a few months and then you stop and, and I'll go for a few months and stop. And since February, I've kind of been really consistent after I've had a... Uh, after I went to the doctor and the doctor, she said to me, um, you know, my cholesterol is a bit high, so I need to work on my uh, fitness. And I've lost a bit of weight, but I still need to lose a bit more weight. And it's good. The gym's good for my heart rate to go up. And, and, and one thing is, when I go to the gym, one of the things I do is bench press. Yes. Now, I can't bench press much, but in the beginning... I did about 30 kgs, and I've been building it up. Then it was 32.5 kgs, and then 35 kgs. That's where I'm now. I'm building it up. Mm. And usually when you're bench pressing, uh, you usually, if you're doing a lot of weights, you have someone behind you, right? Yes, yeah, a and spotter. That, that, a spotter, right? Yeah. That's a spotter. And so just picture the spotter putting more weights uh, on the bar, and then it comes to the point of your chest, and the spotter says, well, you need to help yourself. I'm not going to help you with that. Mm. And see, this is in a similar way. These um, these burdens that the Pharisees put on the people, it became so heavy. Mm. Um, and so they're not helping out the people. And the Pharisees were these hypocritical dictators, and they were not godly shepherds at all. Mm. Uh, I want us to quickly just go to Mark chapter 7. So we'll keep a finger in Matthew 23 and Mark chapter 7. Did, did that illustration make sense, Jason? Yeah, no, it, did. it does actually make a lot of sense because uh, if you've done uh, bench pressing before, you know that the uh, the spotter there is meant to help you if you get into right. trouble. But uh, in this case, the Pharisees weren't prepared to lift a finger to help people. They're, in fact, putting more burdens on people. Yeah. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, Mark chapter 7 um, Verses 1 to 9, I'll read verse 1 and 2, and then I'll get you to read verse 3 and 4. It says here in verse 1, Then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him, that's Jesus, having come from Jerusalem. Now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is, with unwashed hands, they found fault. So there there was a way to wash hands, and they said, oh, they're not washing their hands, and it's defiled. In other words, it's polluted. Mm. Uh, read r- verses 3 and 4. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels, and couches. It's interesting I read somewhere when they would wash their hands, it would be a little bit of water where they would put it in their palm of their hands and uh, the water was not to go beyond your wrist. And so if it was going to touch your wrist, you kind of quickly tilted back the other way, the opposite way, Mm. and then to your fingers. So these were all 
traditions. Mm. But it almost came to the point like it's salvational, but it's not. Mm. And then verse 5, it says, Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? Verse 6 and 7, please. He answered and said to them, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. <laughs> Notice he's calling them hypocrites there. Mm. And, and, you know, this this term, hypocrisy, we're not going to get into Matthew 23, but later on, Jesus, he's going to say, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he, and he mentions it like seven or eight times to them. And so, in verse 8 of Mark 7, it says, For laying aside the commandments of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. He said to them, All too well you reject the commandments uh, or the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. And so we see that one of the characteristics of false leaders is that they go by tradition. It's not necessarily the word of God. Mm. And, um, you know, in the spiritual sense that we're talking about, the biblical sense, we need to ask ourselves, well, is this leader, is this pastor, deacon, elder, is this um, Christian, are they abiding by tradition or are they going by the Word of God? Mm. Uh, so, when it came to these Pharisees, they had their Sabbath man-made laws. You are not even allowed to carry anything more than the weight of a fig. Wow. On the Sabbath day. Mm. And I don't know about you, uh, but my, my Bible weighs much more than just a single fig <laughs> uh, when I go to church. Yes, and I, I'm normally carrying equipment with me because uh, I'm involved in the technical stuff. So <laughs> wow, you're, even, you're such a great <laughs> sinner, right? Uh, they even had laws like you're not even allowed to write a, a single letter mm. on that day. And I've preached on Sabbath where people are making notes in church. Mm. Um, and so, wow, they would be considered to be sinners because our oh, writing is work. So these were really um, bizarre uh, rules. They, they built this a series of fences around them so that they would not break um, laws in the scriptures. But this was outside of the Bible. Mm. And uh, some people, they use rules and regulations to establish their righteousness um, without Christ. Now, I just want to finish uh, uh, this this segment with a quotation from Dissolve Ages, page yeah. 612. And it says this, And they, that's the Pharisees, taught much that was contrary to the scriptures. Jesus said, They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. The Pharisees enjoyed, sorry, enjoined a multitude of regulations, having their foundation in tradition and unreasonably restricting personal liberty. That's freedom. And certain portions of the law they so explained as to impose upon the people observances which they themselves secretly ignored, and from which when it served their purpose, they actually claimed exemption. Mm. That's, uh, yeah, something to think about, hey, in terms of, <laughs> you know, how we how we actually do things in our, in our lives. And I think sometimes we make more of our own ideas than what uh, really is coming from Scripture and for coming from Christ. Yeah, and sometimes some Christians can have an unhealthy view of Christianity too. Mm. Now, keep this in mind, not all tradition is bad. No. But we need to ask ourselves, you know, where is this in line with God's Word? Is mm. this compromising God's Word or not? Yeah. 
Now, uh, you just read from the book of The Desire of Ages, and that's our book that we're going to be offering today uh, later in the program. Keep listening, and we'll give you the code for the book, The Desire of Ages. We're going to have a listen to this song now, Yet Not I, But Christ in Me. And uh, I chose this song because, really, it's not about our, our ideas or even our own traditions, but it's really what Christ does within us and also what Christ speaks through his word that we need to really listen to. This is uh, the group City of Light, yet not I but Christ in me. What gift of grace is Jesus my
Beautiful song. We're uh, talking with Raiko Chilich today on Tassie Encounters, going right across Australia, and uh, we hope you're enjoying this discussion that we're having about uh, this, the uh, Pharisees, how Jesus was challenging them, I guess, once again in terms of how they kept these traditions rather than really understanding what the scriptures were talking about and, and uh, practicing what they preached. Mm. So where are we going now, Raiko? Um, before we go, Jason, didn't you have a question for our uh, listeners today? I did have a question for our listeners, and I've forgotten about that, so thanks for reminding <laughs> me. I had a question that uh, you can text in. I'd really love you to respond and, and tell us, and we can share with our other listeners as well. What do you think are two or three characteristics of a good leader? Yeah, we'd like like to know what you think. What are, what are some of the outstanding characteristics of a good leader? Please don't say uh, make people do push-ups. Because that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, l- let's continue. So we're in Matthew 23, and can you please read verse 5? Yes, it says, But all their works they do not... Uh, sorry. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. Hmm. In the beginning here, it says, They're doing these works to be seen by whom? By men. By men. Mm. So this is all about a public show, isn't it? Mm. Um, It's all about the external. Mm. See how holy I am. And they're wearing phylacteries too. Now, we did talk about this word uh, somewhere in the past in in one or two of our episodes. Can you remember what a phylactery is? I can because I learned something that day and I've put it in my brain. So it's a a little (laughs) box that people would put scriptures in and uh, strap them to their foreheads, I believe. Yes, and, and they base this on Deuteronomy chapter 6 where there's a passage of Scripture there teaching Israel to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind and strength. And then God said, bind this as a sign mm. uh, on your hand and also they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And, and they literally did this, but God said as, which means in the hand this was to be representative in your actions. The yeah. frontlets between your eyes, it's to be in your forehead. And so uh, a phylactery was this, uh, it was a strap around the um, the arm and the hand, and also there was this pouch or box they had on top of their forehead, and it was seen as a safeguard. It was seen as a protecting charm. You know, it's interesting, uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 4, you read about how the Philistines are taking uh, the Ark of the Covenant, and the Israelites are going, oh no, they've taken that away. Oh, how are we going to be protected? That Ark of the Covenant is not going to, is not what's going to protect you. It's your faith in God that's going to protect you. Mm. And you've got to trust in God. Uh, when you get baptized, the water is just a symbol. You have to put your trust in God. And so the phylactery became, it became like an amulet. A amulet is where you would wear something and you would be protected from, say, bad luck or evil spirits. And I know when I was talking to one time Anita Kodra from the Caribbean Islands, when I was in the mission field, she said, oh, you know, there was this person in the church, they would wear a ring on their finger to protect them from evil spirits. Um, wearing a cross will also not just protect you. So pious Jews in the time of Jesus, um, they would wear phylacteries at daily devotions, but the rabbis recommended that they should be worn every single day, except the Sabbath and feast days. And... Uh, there's a little bit more I could say, but I know we're running out of time. But 
it also mentions here in Matthew 25, verse 6, they enlarge the borders of their garments. Mm. And I guess the question is, well, what does this all mean? Enlarge means they magnify the borders. This Greek word borders can also be translated as bora, hem, fringe, or tassel. And uh, when you go to Numbers uh, chapter 15, it talks about how the children of Israel are to wear and to make tassels on the corners of their garments. And they were to be in blue color to remind them of the law of God. And Deuteronomy 22 verse 12 says, You shall make tassels on the four corners of the clothing uh, with which you cover yourself. Now, have you ever seen a Jew cover his head while he's praying? Maybe in the picture, Jason? With they they wear these little um, caps. Is that what you're talking about, or are you talking? No, about I'm not just talking. They, they wear a cap. With their hands? Yeah, and then they take a. They call it like a prayer blanket, and they okay. put it over their head mm-hmm. while they're praying. Well, that prayer blanket on the four corners, it will also have four tassels. Okay. Um, and so t- it would be usually blue in color to remind them of the law of God, but. You know, I don't want to go too much into this, but Jesus Christ, he wore tassels on his garment. And remember, there was a woman that had an issue of the flow of blood for 12 years. And she said, if only I touch the hem mm, yes. of his garment. Mm. And, and that is a tassel. So here they are enlarging their tassels so that everyone can see. This is like me saying, well, look at my Bible. It's so big that I need <laughs> to put it in a wheelbarrow in order to bring it to church. Yeah, um, And... Uh, let me ask a question. Is that, you know, we're talking here about the external. Is it important when it comes to the external? Oh, that's another um, question that's going to trap me. Uh, I, I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like you're a Pharisee trying to trap me. Um, is it important? Well, I could say no because God looks at the inside. He looks at the heart. Yep. But also sometimes it is important that we uh, present ourselves as well. So I'm going to have to get you to uh, answer that more fully. <laughs> oh, you're so diplomatic. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, you're totally right. Um, what, it's more important what's on the inside, mm. but also what's on the inside is also a reflection on what's on the outside. Mm. Um, uh, in the past, my dad would sometimes call me and uh, he would say, Raiko, what are you wearing to church today? Mm. A- and I've, I've learned to say to him, um, and, and yet I'm the preacher, I'm the pastor, and uh, I, I don't have a problem wearing a suit to church. I kind of enjoy it. But he would ask me, what are you wearing to church? And I would say to him, I'm wearing um, shorts, uh, a singlet and thongs. <laughs> and then he would start laughing, and then I would just say to him, Stop interrogating me, you communist. And he, you know, he starts even laughing even more. Um, but I think uh, it's time for another song, isn't it? Yeah, it is. We're going to go to another song. And uh, just before we do, I'm just going to read a bit more about our offer today The Desire of Ages. It's a proven source of inspiration and enlightenment to millions of readers all over the world and with good reason for it deals with a universal yearning the desire for living life to its fullest with the knowledge that we are here for a reason and that we are loved so Mm -hmm. this is the book and uh, you can get that you can text in after the break we'll give you the code you can text in to 0488880891 the desire of ages is our book today this is lead us faithfully by Matt and Josie Minicus of your pasture we are the children 
So lead us faithfully where we should go, Lord. We know not the way, Lord. So lead us faithfully where we should go. Still waters refresh our souls, lead us in paths of righteousness for your
was Matt and JC Minicus with Lead Us Faithfully. Now, before the break, I promised the code for our book today, The Desire of Ages, and our code is 3MJ and the number one. So you can text 3MJ number one into our show number, Tassie Encounters number, that's 0488 Text the the number three and the letter M and the letter J and then the number one. No spaces, just text that in and we will get the book, The Desire Ages, out to you. Now, Raiko, we've got a few minutes left and uh, I know you could talk for another hour. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We've got the last inning and got to have the home run now. Yep. <laughs> so please read verse 6 and 7. So verse 6 and 7 of Matthew 23 says... They love the best places at feasts, the best seats at, in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But there's oh, four, yeah. Yep, continue. Oh, that was verse, sorry, I got to verse 8. <laughs> there's four things that they love here. Number one, they love the best places or the yep. best seats at feasts. Yep. And... If there was a person that was hosting a feast, if you're in, in Jewish culture, if you're close to that host, then you are seen as honored. Mm. And the further away uh, you were is that you're less honored. And also, uh, where you sat in a dinner party or at the synagogue, the church, it was determined by what status you were in society as well. Um, Desire of Ages, page 613 says, When persons were invited to a feast, the guests were seated according to their rank, and those who were given the most honorable place received the first attention and special favors. Mm. The Pharisees were ever scheming to secure these honors. This practice Jesus rebuked. And they thought, oh, we're representatives of God. We need to be you know, honored. They also love the best seats in the synagogue. And it's interesting, and I'm just reading here from the SDA Bible Commentary, it says, Ancient synagogues were not usually provided with seats for the congregation, which, generally speaking, either sat on the floor or stood. Sometimes benches were placed along the walls. The seats reserved for the elders were generally in front, facing the congregation. The one who delivered the sermon sat in one of these seats. Mm -hmm. Places of honor at the synagogue were usually assigned on the basis of prominence in the community. And also, you want to sit in the front. It's interesting these days, it's kind of like when we come to church, we don't really want to sit in the front, we sit in the back. Sit in the back, yeah. Um, but there's an application here. You want to sit in the best seats in the synagogue. This has to do with position. Mm -hmm. And there are times people want to be an elder or a deacon in the church, and yet they don't even qualify for that. Sometimes we also put people into position at church, and I'm sad to say this because, oh, they have a great status in their community, in society, but yet they're not a spiritual leader. Mm. And these uh, these Pharisees, they also like greetings in the marketplaces. They like to be acknowledged. They like to be called rabbi, rabbi. Um, this is a... a, a a title, a position. There's nothing wrong with titles, but you know this is really where you know it's an exaggerated sense of their own importance. Mm. It's interesting. The title rabbi distinguished a man as being learned in the law of Moses, and therefore implied that the interpretation of the religious duties prescribed therein was binding uh, or infallible. Can you believe that they believed? Oh, the rabbi is talking. Oh, it's infallible. You know, without error. Now, I don't want to go too much on this side note, but to me, this almost sounds like, uh, in a way, Catholicism, in a way. Um, and then we continue in Matthew 23 and verse 8, and what does that say? But you uh, do not be, be called rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. 
Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven. And when he talks about, <clears throat> let me just make a comment yeah, here. Yeah. When he talks about father here, it's not saying do not call your biological father father. This is in the context of uh, spiritual leadership here. Mm. You're not to call these Pharisees father. Mm. And in the Bible, there's only one time that the phrase holy father does appear. Only one time. And it's in John 17 verse 11 when Jesus is praying to God the Father. Mm. So, you know, do not call anyone on earth your father. Verse 10 and 11, please. And do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ. But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. But I just, you know, when I'm reading this, the the one keeps on coming out. The one is your teacher, which is the Christ, which is God. Yeah, and, and you know what? I actually missed that. I, I, I was I was thinking more about the teacher is Christ, you know, twice it appears, but I actually didn't see that. It says one, mm. one, one. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, every, every time pointing it that repeats, out. one is your teacher, one is your father, one is your teacher again. Yeah, yeah it doesn't say many, but one here, mm. you know, the Christ, the Messiah. Mm. And, and, and it finishes off here about humbling yourself, you mm. know, uh, a good leader is humble, and the Bible says in James 4.10, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. And let me just summarize what we've talked about. In verses 1 to 3, we see that the scribes and Pharisees, they do not practice what they preach. In verse 4, they place heavy burdens on the people. Verses 5 to 7, they are all show and no go. Uh, verses 7 and 8, they demand positions of prominence. So we see... Some takeaways we can take away is that when it comes to false leaders, number one, they lack authority because they're using um, tradition instead mm. of biblical authority. Or if they're using biblical authority, they add or subtract from the Word of God. Uh, number two, uh, false leaders, they lack integrity. They do one thing and say another thing. Uh, number three, uh, they lack a cultivated and keen sense of compassion because they place heavy burdens upon the people, which they themselves don't even do. Um, a lot of times false leaders are very big on rules but very small on grace mm. um, number four uh, we see here in this passage that they lack humility mm. and earlier we had a question what makes uh, you know what are maybe two or three characteristics of a good leader yeah. a lot can be said um, I, I personally think a good leader is one that's teachable one that's humble uh, always learning um, and Jesus Christ he was the opposite of these Pharisees. Mm. He practiced what he preached. He came not to place heavy burdens, but he came to relieve burdens, right? Uh, in Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Mm. Um, and Jesus is humble. Uh, in Philippians 2, verse 5, it says, In being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And Jesus, he was the great servant. You know, uh, greatness is in serving. Uh, and Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So for those who are listening, my question is, and you know, I always speak to and preach to myself too, uh, the question is, you know, do I want to be a servant for God? Mm. Amen. Uh, next week, you've got uh, for us Woes to the Religious Leaders, Part 1. That's going to be an interesting uh, topic, I think, and again, I guess, directed at the Pharisees. Yep, and, um, and what we see is... Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're out. 
what we see is Jesus will <laughs> really get into the Pharisees, mm. and he, he doesn't. He's not nicer. He gets more and more into them. <laughs> mm. Yeah, in, in terms of you know what he's he's telling them what they're not doing basically right. <laughs> Woe to you. <laughs> And tomorrow we've got Peter Watts with How to Survive the End of the World. That sounds like an interesting discussion that we're going to have with Peter tomorrow. So we do hope you can join us next week with uh, Raiko Celic on Wednesday and also tomorrow with Peter Watts with How to Survive the End of the World. We're going to go uh, out with this song, Meekness and Majesty, and I think that describes Christ. He was both meek and humble but also uh, he was majestic as well this is graham kendrick meekness and majesty we'll talk to you next uh, wednesday right okay thank you mate god bless Three.